Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. Uh, it's a beautiful day to be here in the, in the Lord's house to uh, worship the Lord together. And I'm glad that you have chosen to be with us this morning. We welcome our guests especially this morning and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord uh, with one another today. Uh, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, um, let's see, next Sunday is a special day, isn't it? What is next Sunday? It's Mother's Day. I heard that somewhere. Right. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, and that is a special time. And uh, we will be celebrating Mother's Day here at church. And as a matter of fact, we will be celebrating Mother's Day before Mother's Day. Uh, there will be a breakfast on Saturday for the ladies of the church. And so if you are a lady in this church, uh, then we, will, we invite you to uh, attend the uh, breakfast for Mother's Day um, uh, this Saturday morning. Also, please um, take note in your worship folder that we have several things going on. Uh, we are soliciting uh, finances for our scholarship fund. Uh, that's coming up again. And, uh, and if you would like to contribute to our scholarship fund, we encourage you to do that. Also, we are signing people up for our mission trip and, and also looking for Habitat volunteers uh, to work on the Habitat house that we'll be building this summer. And their sign-up sheet for both of those are down on the uh, bulletin board there. Uh, one other thing also, um, we are going to be uh, having a, a new church directory here at the church. Uh, I believe next month in June we will be um, uh, taking pictures for the new church directory. And Dorothy is back there at the back table and she says, see her today uh, to make your appointment to uh, get your picture taken for, uh, for the directory. Uh, so please do that. She told me that you need to do that today. So please don't leave here without seeing her. Uh, we're glad you're here today and uh, we welcome you and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. And we're going to have a moment of greeting each other. Uh, and I know that some of you are afraid to do this because of the swine flu. Uh, and people are saying you don't need to shake hands and stuff like that. If you feel uncomfortable shaking hands, then bump elbows. Or I, I had a friend that had, he had a disease that his immune system was kind of, kind of depleted. And, uh, and so he, he really didn't need to be shaking hands. So he had this kind of a greeting. He, he took, put his hands together like this and kind of shook hands like that and bowed. So whatever you feel like doing, let's greet each other in the name of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sing praises, praises in your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Lord, 
your name is great and greatly to be praised. I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, praises to your name, oh Glory to your name, oh Lord, glory to your name, oh Lord, for your name is great and greatly to be praised. I give glory to your name, oh Lord, glory to your name, oh Lord. Just the ladies this time. Oh, come on, ladies. Praises to your name. Oh, Lord, for your name is great.
to join in and singing happy birthday to Miss Leanna Tapp. Stand up, Leanna. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Leona. Happy birthday to God bless you. Okay, children, it's time. For, come on down, Miss Mary. Come on down front. All right, you guys. Before you sit down, I want you all to look that way for a second. Everybody look that way. All the kids, look that way. All right. Now, this is what I want to do. Dr. Tim is going to talk about generosity today. All right, if, if you all out there, if you've worked a children's church or done a children's moment, stand up, please. Vicki, you have. Robert, you have. All right, these folks, boys and girls, these folks are generous with their time when they do children's moment or children's church. So we want you to be generous with your applause and thank them for doing that for you. Good job. All right, you all can sit down. Thank you. Well, you know, I don't know if the folks that do children's moment up here, when they get ready to do their children's moment, if they think, uh-oh, God's talking to me because the lesson I have today, when I got it ready, I thought, uh-oh, I'm not doing such a good job of that. And Miss Vicki gave me a bunch of books. Thank you, Miss Vicki. And I looked at one of these, and Dr. Tim's going to, um, I think you're going to teach in Corinthians today? All right, and look at this, you guys. The story that, the lesson, I guess I should say, that I'm going to talk about with you is called The Inside and the Outside. And you know what? How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? 
Yeah. Okay, we shouldn't do that. Put your hands down. All right, well, anyway, you guys know that we all take good care of our outside, but do we all take care of our inside just as well as we take care of our outside? You don't think so? You know what? I had no idea. I don't think I do either. And let me tell you why I think that. This morning when I started to get ready for church, these are all the things I did on the, in, or the outside today. Okay, I'm going to be kind of embarrassed. I used this. I used this to take care of my outside. I used some soap. You don't have to thank me. Um, I used some conditioner and shampoo this morning. Oh my goodness. I cleaned my face with Noxzema pads. I put lotion on my body. I shaved my legs. I put deodorant on. Almost. I had to use this to put my contacts in this morning. You don't have to thank me for this either, but I did brush my teeth. Oh, here's Noxzema. I cleaned my face with that too. Took my eye makeup off from last night because I was too lazy to do it last night. <laughs> used the brush, used the comb. Then I started putting on makeup. <laughs> Jerry, when you get my age, you have to do this. Well, wait a minute. First, I had to get my contacts out of here. And then I used this to cover this little, um, I don't know, this little vein there, baggage as my kids call it. Okay, and then I'm going to not bore you anymore, but look at all this. I put all this on this morning. And lotion. Okay, you know what, you guys? It took me an hour to get ready on the outside to come to church. What did I, I know, Jerry, as you get older, it takes longer. What do you think I did to get ready to come to church on the inside? I really didn't do anything this morning. Just If I took an hour every day this week and got ready on the inside to face my day, you think I'd have a better week? What if I spent that hour maybe writing cards to people in the church or maybe writing cards to people at work that sometimes I don't even want to be around? Jerry, get up here. You're just thinking this is so funny. You guys, this is my point. Sometimes we take too much time for the outside of our bodies or taking care of us. If we would just stop and think and take care of our inside a little bit better with our relationship with God, we'd probably have a better week. Okay? And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. So this week when you go to school, go out to play, Remember to do something kind for others and be generous with your time, and maybe you'll have a better week. All right? You guys go and have a great week. And by the way, if you look in your bulletin, all the other dates for Children's Moment are empty in the month of May, and I'll be standing at the door when church is over. Don't hesitate to come up with to me and fill your name. Thank you. We'll see. Let's stand and join us singing hymn number 36. Praise the Lord, you heavens.
Our scripture reading for today comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 9. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. O oh God, as we gather together, turn us from the greed that comes so naturally to us and turn us toward your generous spirit that you gave all on our behalf. Turn us from our self-centeredness as we seek to open our hearts and our hands to those in need. You fill us with an abundance of your grace. Now give us hearts that desire to give abundantly to you. Help us, O oh God, to develop these habits of discipleship which will enable us to grow in your spirit. Show us your way today, O oh God, and give us the strength of will to follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The dictionary defines generosity as liberality in giving or willingness to give or a disposition to give liberally or to bestow favors heartily. He who gives what he would as readily throw away gives without generosity for the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. Sir Henry Taylor. God defines generosity as, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
606 verses 1, 2, and 4. Father, we thank you for this Sunday to come and remember that you have been generous with us to give us your son and to give us many blessings and to give us the opportunity to serve in different ways. And we thank you that we will use this money to glorify Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
Today we are continuing our series on five habits of highly effective Christians that we need to develop if we want to, uh, to grow spiritually. We've already talked about the habit of Bible study and last week we talked about the habit of prayer. And so today I want us to talk a bit about one of the spiritual habits that according to Jesus is one of the most important habits that we can develop and that is the habit of generosity. Now I realize that when, uh, when we begin talking about being generous with our finances and honoring God with our, our money, that it can be sort of a touchy subject. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh great, I came to church this morning and, and he's talking about money. How typical is that? But I hope that you will not leave here with just another sermon about money, but with a handle on a way that you can grow in your spiritual life and a way that you can express your gratitude for what God has done for you and a way to help others and to be a part of God's kingdom work through this congregation. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Now, I want us to drill down on those last few words for just a minute this morning. Grace of giving. You may be thinking to yourself, we are in this series of sermons on spiritual growth, so why is Tim up there talking about giving? Well, Paul lays it right out there for us because, you see, Paul puts growing in our generosity in the very same category as growing in our faith. 
In other words, what Paul is saying here is that when it comes to our spiritual growth, developing a habit of generosity is just as important as developing a habit of Bible study or prayer. Jesus also sees the importance of this. In Matthew 6, 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want us to think about this for a minute because most people don't catch the nuance of that little verse. Most of us think that this means that I will spend my money on the things that I care about. So it's my heart that leads the way for, for where my finances are spent. But if you look at this verse closely, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. In fact, it, he, what he is saying is just the opposite of that. Opposite of that. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's not your heart that leads around your finances, but rather it's your finances that will determine where your heart is going to be. And if you think about that, it's true. I hope you won't be offended by this illustration, but... Let's say you go out there today and you place a wager on the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series at the end of the season. And why anybody would do that at this point in the Braves uh, 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 season, I don't know. But just bear with me for a minute. Say you go out there and you place a wager on the Atlanta Braves that they'll win the World Series this season. You may say, Tim, I'm not a Braves fan. I'm a cards fan. I'm pulling for them. But I want to tell you something. If you go out there and you place a wager on the Atlanta Braves today, you will very quickly become a Braves fan. And why is that? Because wherever your money goes, there your heart will follow. So what is that saying to us as a Christian? Well, here it is. If you want to make God a priority in your life, if you want to love God more, you don't do it by just saying, I'm going to sit here and try to make God a priority in my life. No. You make that a priority in your finances, and then your heart will grow closer to God. So today what I want to talk about is how do we develop this habit of generosity in our lives and here's the first step to do that. Just get started. That's it. That's the first step. You know, the first step in developing any positive habit in our life is always the most difficult step. I've been telling myself for months that I need to get out there and get more exercise. And I've, I've come up with one excuse after another. It's too hot or it's too cold. I, I had an injured heel for most, uh, most of the winter. But, but finally, on Monday of this past week, I got my bicycle out and I began what I hope will become a habit of regularly riding my bicycle. But the hardest thing in starting a habit is getting started. That's the hardest thing. The same thing is true with the habit of Bible study and with prayer. In order to make those things a habit in our lives, we have to carve out the time to do them, and then we just need to do it. They're all important, 
to our spiritual growth. But they can't become a habit until we do them for the first time. And so I want to challenge you today. If you've never given before, or if you haven't given anything to the church recently, or if you haven't been as generous as you know you should, then I want you to start, I want to challenge you to start that habit today. Don't wait till next week. Do it today. Now, I know you were here a few minutes ago, and you know that we've already passed the offering plates around this morning, but... And, when, and don't worry, we're not going to do it again. <laughs> I've seen churches that will. Um, but you know what? You can go online and make a contribution to the church this afternoon. Or you can write a check this afternoon and send it to the church in the mail or drop it by here tomorrow. And I'm not talking about any particular amount. It can be a small amount. It can be a tiny amount. But the important thing at this point is to just get started in this habit of generosity. But why is that? Why is it so important for my spiritual growth to be generous with my financial resources towards the work of God? Well, there are some preachers out there who will tell you that giving to the church will make you rich. You can't outgive God. Put in your 10%, get out your 15%. Well, folks, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And I think that some of those preachers probably are some of the preachers that give the rest of us a bad name. Because you see, there's nothing magical about tithing. And God never promises monetary extravagance in return for your financial generosity. But here's the thing. God does promise a spiritual blessing. And God does promise treasure that is laid up in heaven, as Jesus uh, described it. But there is no assurance that generous giving to the church will bring a fancy new car or fine houses. Instead, the primary reason we give is as a response to the grace of God in our lives. Our passage of scripture for today says... You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. John puts it like this, For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Ephesians, Paul writes, for by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God. My friends, Jesus came to take away our sins. And he did this so that the guilt of our sins would be removed from our lives. He came to take away the wall of hostility that separates us from God and us from our fellow human beings. He came to make us God's children with all of the rights and privileges that being a, God, a child of God entails. He came to dwell within our hearts and to, to strengthen us with eternal hope. And so, the, our highest hopes and our deepest needs are all provided for through Him. And all of this, my friends, is totally undeserved. They're all gifts of a loving God. 
And those gifts, when received by us, produce an overwhelming sense of joy and gratitude. And it is out of that sense of gratitude that we give to God and to others. Albert Schweitzer was a famous theologian and New Testament scholar. Uh, and Nibby was also probably one of the top two or three organists in all of Europe. And he was profoundly grateful for what God had done for him in granting his salvation. One day, as he, as he was reading his Bible, he was reading the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And it came to him that Africa was the beggar lying at Europe's door. And this prompted Schweitzer to give up his career in music and in theology and go to medical school and eventually to open his hospital for the poor in Africa. His experience of, experience of the grace of God caused him to lay down everything that was familiar to him and to take up the work of Christ in a far, strange faraway land. He gave his all in response to his gratitude for the grace of God. And that should be our motivation for giving to Christ as well, as a response of gratitude to God. A second reason for giving is a bit more practical. It's because the church is a caring organization, and the church needs money to help people in need. One day, a boy was walking down the street carrying a basket full of eggs, but unfortunately, he tripped and fell and dropped the basket, and all the eggs were smashed. A crowd gathered around the boy. They were sorry that this happened. One person said, what a pity, and another one said, oh, look at him crying. Let's comfort him. And then a man stepped forward, reached into his pocket, and said, I care a dollar. How much do you care? You know, sometimes God asks us to take out our wallet just to show how much we care. And I want to tell you something. This is a caring church. This is a caring church. On top of our worship services and Bible studies and mission education programs, we do an awful lot to show this world that we care. Last week in our visiting meeting, we talked about some of the things that we're already doing because we care and we're making plans to do even more. We are providing children and youth activities on a regular basis. We sponsor kids to go to kids camp and youth camp every year. We hold a wonderful vacation Bible school each year and we invite the whole community to participate for free. We have senior citizens programs every month. We're interested in the health of our people. We sponsor blood uh, drives several times a year. We hosted a health screening program last year. We are providing care packages for family members of people who are in the ICU at Methodist Hospital who are staying at the hospital with their loved ones. We provide space for sports activities and other community events. We're a polling place for every election. We host the community-wide Lenten lunch uh, every year. Upward basketball and cheerleading is a wonderful program of sportsmanship and, and Christian outreach. And if a child's family cannot afford to pay, we find a way. We serve lunch at the, at the Salvation Army on a regular basis. Some of us are involved with Matthew 25. We provide monetary resources and food to the Henderson Christian Outreach. 
We do project, work projects in town, repairing homes and painting and cleaning for people who are not able to take care of that themselves. We helped a number of people during the ice storm or after the ice storm clean up the debris in their yards. And we have plans to be organized to meet other needs in case a disaster like that happens again. Just last week, we broke ground on Habitat for Humanity's 47th house here in Anderson. And it is an apostle build where churches, where we are partnering with churches and other organizations here in town to provide the money and the labor necessary to build this house. We have plans to have a community garden, which we can use to help ourselves and people in need. We took several trips to the Gulf Coast after Hurricane Katrina ripped through there and, and, and helped with the cleanup effort and the reconstruction effort. This summer, we will be going to Perry County, Alabama, one of the 20 poorest counties in the country where we will be doing construction projects and work with the youth and children there. We've done sem similar things in New York City and Atlanta, Georgia, and Nada, Kentucky. And we have a dream of one day opening a transition house here in Henderson to allow families who are stuck in the trap of the pay-by-the-week hotels to get out of that rut and into affordable housing for themselves. And do you know why we do all this? Boy, I get tired just talking about it. You know why we do all this? We do it because we care. And you know how we do all this? We don't have a big benefactor out there that makes this possible. We don't have some kind of a secret trust fund that funds the ministries of this church. The only way that we're able to accomplish what we do is because the members of this church give generously, not only of their time, but also of their finances. And that's, why God, that, that's the way God designed it. When we give to the church, we make it possible for the church to care for others. And so we give because we care. But we also give purely and simply because of the joy of giving. Clarence Sharp said that when he was a kid, his dad called him uh, to go into old man Trussell's blacksmith shop. He had left a rake and a hoe there to be repaired. And there they were, fixed like new. And so Dad, Dad handed over a silver dollar for the work, he says, but Mr. Trussell refused to take it. No, he said, there's no charge for that little job. But Dad insisted, still holding out that, that silver dollar, but Mr. Trussell said, Ed, can't you just let a man do something now and then just to stretch his soul? <laughs> I like that phrase, stretching our soul. Isn't that a wonderful expression for a glorious feeling? Just the, to feel good about doing something good. The fact is that we were created to be generous. And when we are, we get a feeling of fulfillment, of joy, of happiness. Several years ago, there was an episode on 2020 that talked about the habits, the giving habits of Americans. And, and one of the points that it made was that religious people give significantly more than non-religious people. And not just to their places of worship, but also to other charities as well. 
They went on to say that those who had religious beliefs were not any wealthier than those who didn't. But they did find that those, who, those people who were people of faith were much happier than those who did not have faith. And so add this up. Not only did people of faith give to their local places of worship, and not only did they give above and beyond what other people give to other charities, but they were also much happier. And you know why? Because giving makes us happy. Giving gives us significance. And, and once we get started with this, hap, this habit of generosity, it becomes a contagious habit. But finally, one more thing, and most importantly, the main reason that we need to develop this habit of generosity is because of our love for God. A friend of mine, Truett Gannon, tells about... Um, shopping with a friend of his who was getting an anniversary gift for his wife. And the clerk began to show the man um, some cheap curtains. And the man said, no, you don't understand. This is for my wife. And I need something that will show her how much I really love her. My friends, what we give to God and how we give it shows just how much we really love God. Many of us remember the story of the widow's mite in the Bible. Jesus and his disciples sat down close to the collection boxes in the temple and watched as people put in their offerings. Evidently, everybody could see what the others were giving. And, and this may have been the reason why the rich put their huge sums in with such fanfare for the sake of appearances. But it took courage for this widow to come up and to drop in her, her two cents or two pennies. And so Jesus said that she had put in more than all the others combined because they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave all she had. My friends, there's only one motive to lead a person to such sacrificial giving, and that is to show the Lord our God just how much we love him. One dark day, when it thundered over the Palestine hills, a young man full of life allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. His blood poured out onto the ground so that we might have abundant life. And his cross is not just a wonderful demonstration of love for you and for me, but it's also a challenge to us. Because you see, God wants us to do something for God and for others. And often that involves our pocketbooks. Remember what I said at the beginning of my sermon? That our heart will follow where our treasure goes? That's what Jesus said. If we begin to give like we should then our heart will begin to be transformed and we will become more and more like God wants us to be. Indeed, we will become more and more like God who is more generous than anyone else. And that's what God really wants. We remember the price that Jesus has paid for us and we give. We give because we are grateful 
and we are loving and we care. That's why we give. And that's why it's so important for us to develop this habit of generosity now. That's what God wants from each of us. Not only to pray, not only to study our Bible, but to live generous hearts because we care. Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, you know our hearts. You know when we fall short in our hearts. And, but today, oh God, we, we want to commit ourselves to a life of, of generosity. Because we know that this is a habit that will bring honor to you and, and, and will make us a lot happier and more fulfilled if we do it. And so God, we, we pray that you'll help us today. Help us to move our lives to the habit of generosity. Transform our hearts so that we will want what you want for us. Help us to do this, O oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave his all. Amen. We're going to sing today our hymn of response, number 607, Something for Thee. And this is... This is what we've been talking about. I know we've been talking about money today, and, and um, that, not everybody is real comfortable with that. But you know what? It is a part of our Christian life. But ultimately, what God wants from you is your life, is who you are. God wants that. And if God has that, if you give your life to God, then that's everything. That's all that we do and all that we have and all that we are, including our money. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, do it today. Give your life to Christ. He wants that more than your money. He really wants your life. And if you've never done that, I hope you'll make that commitment today. Or perhaps you're looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church today. As we sing together, 607, something for thee. Would you come?
And now may the power of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you always and in all ways. Go in the generous spirit of God with open hearts and open hands. Amen.